0: What's up, everyone? Thank you for making us a part of your day. I am with Alfredo Valentin. He's the BK apologist. Uh, today we're talking about uh, just some things that have been going on in America. Obviously, I'm sure you've been following the news. you are talking about some racism in America, some riots, and some to The third R. It's hard to find that one
1: uh, <laughs>
0: to rhyme. Uh, BK, uh, Alfredo, how, what do you want me to go? What do you want me to call you by? What do you go by?
1: Well, I mean, since we're we're on the interwebs, BK Apologist would be good. BK, for short, would be fine. All
0: right, sounds good, BK. How are you doing today, BK?
1: Uh, You know, another day in dystopian nightmare, a.k.a. New York City, you know. (laughs)
0: So you're in Brooklyn, right?
1: Brooklyn, New York. Born and bred, born and bred. All
0: right, so tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, kind of like what you are. Sure.
1: Um, My name, well, the government name is Alfredo Valentin. I am Puerto Rican. Uh, Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, Uh, happily married for about 15 years, Uh, been a Christian for 30 years, Uh, I've attended the same church for about 30 years, Um, uh, I was, (laughs) I was a listings coordinator for a real estate company, but because of the COVID situation, I was let go, Mm. so I'm presently, you know, unemployed. but, but happy, <laughs> but happy. Um, so that's interesting, I, I haven't been unemployed since like 1996, so it's, it's, it's a, the, the new normal is definitely here. Um, yeah, and I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've been, you know, well, honestly, if you if you are a Christian, you are an apologist. You know, you're having conversations with people, I hope, and people are asking you questions about the the hope that you have, and you have to answer that, right? And that's where we get the word, apologia from, right, so, and that's, you know, I'm just a nominal Christian here trying to convey and defend the faith, mm. that's it.
0: All right, good stuff, man, so I know you're, you play a big role in urban poly, apologetics, one of the, one of my favorite things to see is, like, the uh, urban apologetics community, like, you got, like, you and Vocab and Adam Coleman and Nefroniti, and I know I'm missing a few people, but mm-hmm. I love you guys, because you're all, like, so, like, it seems like you're all just on the same page, and it's really... It's fun to watch. So, just for people who, uh, particularly, probably on my side of the platform, who may not know what urban apologetics is, what right. is urban apologetics?
1: Well, I mean, it's 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 a niche. It's a niche ministry of Christian apologetics, right? Christian apologetics is being able to formulate a defense for the faith. You know, whether it's to help the believer in his doubt or to help defend against the critiques. And the polemics thrown against Christianity what urban apologetics does is that it narrows that down to specific false doctrines that affect black and brown people for the most part Mm -hmm. you know and 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 some you know um, non-blacks who live in the city as well you know because the city comes with its own temptations its own um, heretical teachings and we focus on that. It's no different than having a college ministry, a singles ministry. You know, we're just focusing on things that affect people who live in the bigger urban drugs.
0: Good stuff, man. Well, big shout out to Urban Apologetics. If you guys do not know what it is, be sure to check it out. So a few things here. You're in Brooklyn. Um, yes, sir. So you're, you're in New York City, where it was the, one of the places that got hit the hardest yes. by COVID. So what... Yes. start with COVID first off. So what was life, what's life been like with you with COVID? Like how locked down did you get and what's it kind of look like now with all the COVID stuff?
1: I mean, at the height, yeah. I mean, we, we had a shelter in place, um, started working remotely, you know, and, um, that was really weird because, you know, you're used to a certain schedule. You know, you wake up, you commute, you come back. So now you, you roll up from your bed, you're at work, you know, and, uh, so, I would be in my laptop on the, in the bedroom, and, and the wife would be in the laptop in the living room, and it was just weird. You know, I, I would walk to the kitchen, and I'd be like, hey, co-worker, how you doing, you know, as I go get a sandwich, you know. So, it was weird, and then, because your, your, your schedule gets disrupted, the days just bleed into each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you blink twice, and it's Thursday, and you're like, how did that happen? Like, you have, the way you structure your life is gone, mm-hmm. right? So, then... You know, you, don't, you, you can't go to work, so you stay away from the train, so you're not traveling. And I think the biggest issue was just the fellowship with other believers in the church. You know, how the whole church had to swiftly change to a virtual platform. You know, now we had Facebook, we had YouTube and all that, but we wasn't really using it the way, in my opinion, we needed to. But the COVID forced us to m- migrate the entire ministry online. So that's that was amazing and and interesting. Um, it's just seeing people with you know everybody wearing their mask. If someone happens to cough, everybody looks at you to see if you you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's like those bad those bad infection movies you know that we, in the eighties you know. So it's it's weird the the, the heightened sense of paranoia, you know. Um, who's next? You know you, you hear rumors about a neighbor having it. you you know somebody down the block having it. Um, you know, every time you go home from shopping, you know, you got to wash your hands for 20 minutes, you got hand sanitizer, it's just, your life is just so much different now. Mm-hmm. And then you add the fact that many of us lost our jobs because of this pandemic. So now your finances is uncertain as well. So that could wreck all sorts of havoc when it comes to your, your walk with God. So yeah, it's, it's been it's been real, as they say. it's, just, it's definitely yeah. has. I can't imagine with like, I mean, I'm from State
0: College, Pennsylvania, so that's kind of like, uh, smallish town hundred thousand people give or take probably a little less and we are nowhere near to the, the impact that somewhere like in new york city is faced with COVID. not only in cases but like the way it's with your economy um sad to see we'll be praying for you um you. so let's talk obviously the main part of this conversation we'll be talking about kind of like what's going on in america right now what we see all over the news so uh we had the killing or the the murder of george floyd uh Trying to remember the exact date, it seems like forever ago, but in reality, it was only about like a week ago, I believe. Yeah. But,
1: um, yeah. Yeah. So, about two and a half two and a half. we had one and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. So, what has life looked like in terms of with the reaction in the city with George Floyd? Like, I know we see all over the news how there's these protests, which have sometimes turned into riots. Um, what's What's it like where you're at um, regarding this current situation right. with
1: Yeah. Floyd? I- uh, well, I mean, the idea of protest, I'm 100% for as long as it's peaceful. But unfortunately, for whatever reasons, it has become violent. You know, and there's many different theories of why that occur, and you know, I can't say which theory is the correct one. But um, yeah, it's it's been it's been violent. There's been a lot of fires in New York. Um, you know, New York City is comprised of five boroughs, and the, the Bronx that's been hit very hard you know there's a lot of fires and in, and in, in the main avenues over there you know i've seen videos where cops are being hit by cars like hit and run uh cops being jumped and then of course we're seeing videos of cops hurting and, and beating down people you know so it's it's oh man it's anarchy you know the last couple of days has been anarchy they they started a um a curfew at 8 p.m from 8 p.m to 5 a.m until this Sunday, which I've never seen New York have a curfew in my, in my entire life, you know. I haven't had an 8 p.m. curfew since I was a teenager, so, uh, <laughs> you know, but that was just for me. You know, the whole city is under a curfew, and um, yeah, it, it's it's scary. You know, it's very scary. I was just talking to my um, to my pastor, and, and he lives in a pretty decent part of the city, and there's been shootings in his front door. Mm. You know, on dumpster fires, and it's like, like Escape from New York you know I don't don't know if you remember that movie from the 80s it's it's just this dystopian (laughs) it's this real dystopian dark time and and yeah it's 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 horrible it really is yeah
0: so obviously in the news we're seeing all about um these riots uh these protests just seeing all the glass and the looting and things like that do you think the news is maybe too extreme in covering what's happening? Like, they're overemphasizing, like, the violence of it? Or are they underemphasizing the violence of everything going on? Or are they pretty accurate in terms of, like, how bad things have gotten?
1: Well, you know, as humans, we have our presuppositions, we have our filters, and the news channels are no different, right? Because these are being controlled by human beings. So depending on your presupposition, you're going to focus on certain things, right? So... So you're gonna have those who are more conservative. Then you're gonna have the channels that are more left leaning. So depending on which channel you look at, you're gonna get a different take on on the the, the riots and the protests and the, the the death of of Mr. Floyd. So it's it's hard, right? It's it's you have to look at everything and try to find a middle ground with the information that's been given, right? The Bible says, "Test all things." Mm-hmm. You know, so just because something is shown to you on the screen doesn't necessarily make it true. So you you have to do your due diligence, right? You have to ch- fact check, you know, you can't just rely on what people are just, sh- you know, shoving down your throat via the Internet or television. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's hard. It's hard to say, you know, it's, it's uh, there's a lot of good reporting and then there's a lot of demagoguery. There's a lot of vilifying, right, of protesters and of cops. You know, and as the believer, you have to take all that in and try to, you know, test what you're seeing to get close enough to the truth as possible, and 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 to discern that, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, something that I've seen is like when you look at these events, everyone will be spinning it to try to fit their narrative. Like uh, on Instagram, I'll have my conservative friends who, you know, they're trying to push their narrative, and I have all my more mm-hmm. liberal friends and it's used to push. Uh, their kind of agenda. So I think it's important, obviously, as you said, as Christians, to really analyze these things, look at these things critically, try to understand them. And that's why I love AP News. Probably the most, probably the most fair thing we can get today.
1: Um, right, because most most, true cha- most news channels get, get it from AP, and then once they get it from AP, they do the little remix to it, you know? So yeah. I agree, I agree. Because
0: so I think about this, no one wants to watch the news to just read the news. They want to read the news with their favorite commentator's opinion on the news. And that's exactly. why... See the polarizing news yep. that we get. So, I'm curious. Um, just about a month ago, we had the uh, killing of Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, so that, that that's kind of fresh in our minds. And then, just recently, we had the video come out with uh, George Floyd. So I'm curious, what were kind of like your some of your initial reactions to reading, <laughs> seeing about what happened?
1: Um, uh, I for I mean, it, it's interesting because. Unfortunately, this is not the first time we've seen a, a person of color being killed by a cop on video, right? This is not the first time. But usually you see such a tragedy, and you deal with it as you go to work, as you pick up your kids from school, as you're going to school, you're hanging out with your friends. But the reason why this resonates so much more, I believe, is that those things have been taken away from you. For most parts of the country, you know, you're not going to school. Your kids are home. You're not going to work. You're working from home. So all you have is this screen to look at. So now when you look at this particular strategy, you have the time to allow it to resonate. You know what I mean? And then you add the fact that we're already dealing with a a pandemic, right? It just adds... To the frustration, because people have time now to to let it sink in, and now it's coming out in all sorts of terrible ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, I never really thought about that, but I mean, the impact of COVID with this event, having all these people sitting around, uh, more likely, uh, just seeing this event, I'm sure has had so much of an impact, um, nonetheless, the spread of potentially of COVID, but I'm curious. Uh, In your experience, uh, you said you're you're Puerto Rican. You're you live in New York City, one of the most diverse cities in the world. I've been in New York. I love New York City. Um, I've never lived there though, so I'm sure you get a very different experience than I did. What have you? What has your experience with racism, personally, uh, a little bit, looked like in your life as you've lived in America?
1: (coughs) I've actually been a a lot lucky. I, I haven't really dealt with racism until much older in my life you know Mm. to be quite honest whatever foul thing was done to me was usually done by people who look just like me Mm. right but as I got older and you you enter into the corporate world that's when you get hit for the first time at least for me with this idea you know and there's little micro things you know when you are when you go into the elevator and there's a white lady she clutches the purse all of a sudden or if you're walking down the block and they see you coming, because I'm a pretty big guy. And, you know, they'll hold the purse and they'll walk a little bit to the side. You know, so I've gotten those things. But, like, in New York, the the, the prejudice is is far more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. You know, people are not burning crosses in downtown Brooklyn. Like, that's just not going to happen, you know. But the prejudice is there. It's just more sophisticated, more subdued, which of makes it even more deadly, right? Because it's not as easy to, to point out. But, um, yeah, I mean, in the work environment, I've definitely felt certain things, you know. Um, when someone wants to explain something to you, they automatically use sports metaphors. Because <laughs> they just assume, well, you, you're you a big guy, you play basketball, so let me use this basketball metaphor, you know. Meanwhile, I'm horrible in basketball. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> know. But, um, I'm more of a baseball guy. But anyway, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird, you know, when, when it, it, you are confronted with that, you know. So, but as a Christian, you know, and as all of us who are Christians, we can't be shocked because we live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that we invent ways to sin. Mm-hmm. And racism is one of those wicked inventions to separate people from God and from mm-hmm. each other. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think... There's a couple of things that I thought of that are really interesting that you brought up. One of the things, obviously I'm a white person, but I, with uh these, these things it's made me realize like kinda like the micro things that I've done in my past. Like I was at McDonald's and uh, there's an African American man uh, right next to me and I didn't notice and I have no like racist inch in my body, but you know, that little like hold on to my wallet thing. Like a similar thing mm. happened to me just a few weeks ago. And it's not it's not anything that I believe, it's just I don't know. It's just something that I noticed more uh, with all these things happening. So
1: it's, it's conditioning. It's a form of programming. You mm-hmm. know, it's uh, to a point where it's in your subconscious. You're not even aware that you're doing it. You know, so yeah,
0: yeah, it's really good. Um, so what do you think? A lot of people are trying to are bringing up the idea now that America and its against racism. The battle's not over yet. Uh, the idea right. that we're still we're still very much where we were left off with. Martin Luther King Jr., that movement, and it's not over uh, just with the desegregation that we saw in the 1960s. So where are you? Where do you think America is in terms of the state of racism right now?
1: Um, well, yeah, I mean, from when you look back historically, has there been advancements? Absolutely. I mean, for one, I'm not in chains. So uh, that's, that's a big deal for me, you know, <laughs> that, um, uh, that many of us are now, you, you can find people of color in all sorts of... Um, political office, you know, um, so to say there hasn't been any great um, achievements or advancements would be a lie, yeah, but we're still such a way off from having um, equality, because there, there's a narrative, even though things have changed, the narrative has not, and that narrative is that black and brown people are not human, mm-hmm. you know, and we're, we're even superhuman, And bullets deflect our chest and we just, you know, or we're subhuman. Mm. But we're never looked at as human. And that's, that's the narrative that we have to... As long as that continues, then what we're dealing with continues. Even though life has gotten better, but the narrative is still pushing all these things that we're experiencing. This idea that because of my phenotype and my pigmentation, I'm somehow... Not really human. I'm I'm humanoid. I'm human adjacent. I'm human adjace. <laughs> like, but I'm not human. Mm-hmm. And and that's the fight that people like me and you have to unite to destroy and dismantle that narrative. And then when that happens, then we can say racism is is done with.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Where where do you think this idea comes from? The idea that maybe someone would look at you, um, really sadly and unfortunately, and say you're not you're not the same. You're not
1: fully human right. Well, a lot of that comes from you know the 1700s, you know because pr- prior to um, prior to looking at people based on, on phenotype and color, they actually went by climate. and I forgot who's the original scientist that thought this, but people who are in warmer clients climates were slower and not as smart. but if you was in very cold climates, they thought the same way. So, but if you was in a good lukewarm area, a good, you know, the sweet spot of, of 70 degrees, if you lived in that kind of region of the planet, then you're a pretty well-to-do smart guy, you know. Mm-hmm. But then it shifted in the 1800s about, you know, skin color, phenotype. And then we see things like um, scientific racism show, show up, you mm-hmm. know, and these studies with, um, uh, what's this name, the, the chronology, the shapes of the skull. And if you have um, a different skull shape that you can't be as smart as someone else. You know, you have um, something that was called dryptomania, right? And it's supposed to be a psychological condition that caused slaves to want to be free. Like, that was a a mental disorder. Freedom. Wanting freedom was considered a mental disorder. Mm. And these are what the scientists of the day were writing, you know? Then you have something called the hermetic hypothesis, which is once people started going deeper into the region of the African continent and they saw these amazing structures and and amazing technology, it was hard for them to say that Africans did that. So what they did was they created an ancient race of white Africans and called them hermetic people. Right? So, and that was prevalent and taught until like the 1960s. Mm. So you have, you know, Anthropologists, you have biologists, you know, um, people who who subscribe to Darwinian evolution, and not that evolution is bad or not, but Darwinian evolution. So mm-hmm. it was like a multi-pronged attack that conditioned people to believe that people who look like me are lesser than, mm-hmm. you know. So that's that's what, and these things are still permeated and disseminated right now, and that and that's why we have what we have today.
0: Mm-hmm. In my yeah, opinion. yeah, so. I think one of the most Uh, amazing things is there's a lot of unfortunate things that happen that you've brought up that have really uh, contributed to this culture that we see in America today. But I think one of the most amazing things to me is the Bible was thousands of years ahead of its time. Like if you look at where Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, all in one in Christ Jesus. And that's that's at a time when the Jews thought they were this much better than everyone else. And I think it's amazing to see how Society is trying to catch up to what the Bible uh, says is the standard, which is really amazing to see. I'm right. curious, what do you think for a Christian, like let's say for someone who is, let's just say someone like me, who has grown up, uh, they're white, they kind of live, they don't live in a very diverse area, they just live in a normal town in America, and 80, 90 percent of their town is Caucasian. Like, right. What do you say? What do you say to that person to try to help <laughs> this? fighting
1: against racism. What can I do? What can we do to help? Well I, I think is it's you understanding your Bible a lot better, right? Because um in the very beginning God says that he created us in his image, right? The the word image in the Hebrew is solemn, which means to be a a representative figure. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you're human, you are to represent God. That's that's your job. And um and if that's the case, then we have intrinsic value, right? I can't do whatever I want to Zach because Zach is an imager of God, mm. right? But what has happened is via white supremacy, what, what it teaches is that you're no longer an of God, Zach. You're now a crayon, mm. right? I'm a crayon color. It then tells us that the white crayon is the best crayon in the box, right? Now, here's something that's shocking. You're not white, Zach. No nobody's white. No one's the color of your shirt. Right? Nobody's black. Right? We we bought into that. You know, everybody's just different shades of of red and brown, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's important that we buy into that because if you're just a crayon, then you're a thing. And you can use things. You're not supposed to use people, right? But you could use things. So if I could convince you that I'm a thing, you could use me. But it doesn't end there, right? You also have to believe that you're crayon too because if you're crayon, then you have no remorse. You don't feel bad for what you're about to do to this other crayon. So it's it's a sin issue because it's idolatry because it there's a there's a philosophy that says that what God said you are is not correct. You're not an imager of God, Zach. You're a crayon color. So for so, so some reason this philosophy knows better than the creator that made you. Right. So once you understand that we are images of God and you see me as an imager of God, well, you're going to treat me definitely different because you see me as you see yourself as a fellow imager. You know, so it's, it's really about knowing your Bible, really seeing it for a sin issue and repent. Right. And the word repent in the Korean Greek is metanoia, change your mind. You know, change the way you see me. Don't see me as subhuman. See me as a fellow imager of God. And if you can develop a conviction on that, because that's what faith is, right? Faith is not blind faith. Faith is a conviction based on what is true. Right? Yeah,
0: that's a lot of really good points.
1: So, dig in. I can't hear you, Zach. You're breaking up.
0: I think we're having a little bit of connection issues. It's, I can hear you. It's a little. It was a little bit choppy. Um, All right, um, I
1: can say whatever I said before if you want. Uh, but um, yeah, you're kind of. It's
0: on my end.
1: Yeah, you're choppy. Are you on Wi-Fi right now? Uh,
0: okay, I will. Hmm.
1: If you're on Wi-Fi, it's probably better if you could, if you can put yourself in an Ethernet cable. if You have a stronger connection. <laughs> okay I can't hear you at all and yeah can't hear you bro <laughs> take over can you guys hear me in the comments? Put a one in the comments if you guys can hear me Put a one in the comments if you guys can still hear me What's going on Phil Fox? Rocks B You can hear and see me? Alright cool cool. So what up? We got SOC in the building. We got warrior William William warrior woman in the building We got Carmel Crunk was good was good you know what I mean, we got Sydney Avery. Yes, sir. So my man will be coming up soon. Just having some technical de- sing for us, BK freestyle. One day, one day.
0: Sorry, Zach. Hey, my okay. internet just like completely. I don't know. I, all we have is Wi-Fi because I live kind of out like uh, outside of town. So sometimes the internet's done. So I have okay. to fix some stuff. But hopefully we're good. But I wanna. I don't know where we left off, but I'd love to hear this BK freestyle while we're.
1: Nah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. one day, one day. Yeah, I used to rap back in the day. We'll see, we'll see.
0: Well, I mean, if you ever change your mind, you're welcome to go, man. Um, but what Appreciate I was going to ask you before we had this uh, internet delay, unfortunately, was I'm curious what your thoughts were with the Christian reaction. Uh, let's talk about before the protests immediately to the death of George Floyd. Like, what did you think? Let's just, especially from a more, the more like conservative, uh, you know, the people that be behind, I don't know where you lie on the whole pl- the political spectrum, but you know, like the white evangelical, like right. on that side. What do you think of their reaction to the death of George Floyd?
1: Uh, I mean, it's 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 nuanced, right? Because no no one group is monolithic, right? So when you say evangelical, I mean that that covers a multitude of different denominations and ways of thinking. So I don't want to do a, a a sweeping generalization. Um, I mean, it varies. Some people were very sympathetic and and it resonated with them. Some people was, hey, you know, Mm -hmm. he was committing a crime, so maybe he shouldn't be killed. But, you know, if he wasn't doing the crime to begin with, he wouldn't be put in that situation. Right. And um, so it's nuanced. It varies. You know, some some Christians understand what it was and clearly saw it for for the murder that it was. Others didn't really see it as such, you know. So, that's, and that's been the issue within Christendom, right? There's these, these these combating opinions about this particular event, but, again, it's not so much the event, it's the narrative behind the event, right? This idea of, are blacks human? You know? Are blacks human? So, but I can't say every Christian sees it this way, you know, or, or any, or every denomination sees it that way. It, it's, it's, I can't, I can't speak for everyone, you know, I, so.
0: Mm, yeah, there's a lot of good points that you bring up. So I'm curious, what what was, like, the reaction from, I mean, I don't know what your social circles look like out for you, but, like, from maybe some of your more, uh, maybe some of your non-Christian friends in the city, some of your more liberal friends, like, what did they think of, like, the Christians who kind of downplayed, uh, the death of George Floyd downplayed
1: right. this issue. Like, what do you think? What do you think oh, their reaction is? When oh, this they were livid. They were livid, and they are, you know, because they're hurt. Mm. They're hurt because they understand the narrative too. Now, because they're not Christians, they respond to a narrative differently. Because they want—it's not—they say they want justice, but they really want vengeance,
0: mm.
1: right? You take one of mine, I take one of yours. You know, that's kind of where people are at when it comes to that. You know, so, um, yeah, they are upset, and they are mad, and they want they want something to happen. They want something, they want this person to be hurt in some manner. You know, this is what they want. Absolutely. And because of, like you said, because certain Christians haven't really acknowledged th- their pain. It leaves them vulnerable to these doctrines that we as urban apologists try to defend them from, Mm. you know, because when the Christians don't have these answers, when the Christians don't seem to care about the murder of black people, anybody else that says, well, we care, well, they'll go to those people. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, yeah.
0: So do you think it it can cause a stumbling block for, non-christians that you have to deal with when you have these people who say, we see these Christians that are supposed Christians on Twitter or Facebook, like the big leaders who they're not really paying attention to this issue. They don't care. They're blaming others for it. Is that causing a stumbling block? Oh, absolutely.
1: Because for a lot of people, you know, because we're all sinners, we don't readily want to surrender to the gospel. Mm -hmm. They just don't. So people are looking for excuses not to accept the gospel. And as Christians, what we got to do is not give them reasons, right? So they're using this as a reason, you know? Well, you guys are not talking about injustice, so why would I want to follow Jesus? Because if Jesus doesn't care about me, why should I care about him? Because people make a direct correlation between the Christian and Christ. You know, we we are the walking epistles, right? We are the gospels that people are going to hear. So if they don't hear justice, if they don't hear reconciliation, if they don't hear these things coming from us, then obviously it must not be coming from Christ either. So I don't want nothing to do with you guys.
0: Mm So. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing really interesting that I was listening to, I don't know where I am on politics, but as Christians we should be, uh, pushing for ideas, not necessarily pushing for parties. Like we should be pushing for uh, equality, uh, I agree. We should, we should agree. be pushing for life, not just not just in a pro life position, but pro all life. Um, right. Lots right. of things like that. And I think that I think that's where Christians get in trouble is we can get stuck behind trying to defend a certain politician or a party and it leads to all this divisiveness No, a
1: hundred percent. Um me me and Adam Coleman we talked about this when we talked about the Aubrey situation about how Believers have to be careful hitching their wagon to a particular political party because you can stand with somebody who's against abortion but then they don't want to stand with you because you're black. Or mm-hmm. I want to stand with this guy on the left because he's about equal rights but he's the biggest pagan on the block. You know what I mean? So it's like you, you gotta be leery of wearing a particular jersey that says a political party's name on it. You know? I personally am apolitical, you know, I, I because I, I go for the candidate that makes my expression of faith safe, you know, it's like, it would be great if if I could find a candidate who is a disciple of Jesus, sure, I vote for him, mm-hmm. a lot of times that's not going to be the case, so you, you, you got to vote for someone who, like, who's going to not stop me from representing Christ?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So even yeah. though that person might not be a Christian, but if he's gonna make sure my rights as a Christian is secure, chances are that's the person I'm gonna support. Even if they're not a Christian. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Mm. And yeah. so you're breaking up, Zach. You're,
0: uh, look, I mean, uh, what? Are you serious?
1: Uh you're breaking up, bro? It's looking bad. Hello? You you're looking like oh, you're looking like American online circa nineteen ninety three right now. You're looking bad.
0: Heck? Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, Are man. You sure? like
1: you pixelated. <laughs> what, what
0: <is> going <laughs> I'm running an internet speed test right now, and it says I should be good to go. It's what? The
1: government Zach, after you, man. They found out about you, bro. <laughs> I don't.
0: I don't want this conversation to happen. Can you hear me at least? Do you hear me fine? Yeah, I can hear
1: you. I can hear you. You can. Yeah. Oh, and, and the minute you said that, now nah, I can't hear you.
0: All right. Well, I guess what. (laughs) Oh my goodness! I am so sorry. My internet—it's—it literally says I should be able to be. I have like high speed internet right now, but I guess Google is a liar. So,
1: (laughs) can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Okay.
0: All right. You might just have to deal with some pixelation. I'm so sorry, guys. I gotta figure out all this internet stuff sometime. One of the things that you brought up that was really interesting to me was. uh, being apolitical, not necessarily affiliating with a political party. I was listening to a podcast with um, William Lane Craig a little bit ago, and he talked about after, I mean, this is a little bit before my time, right. but after the Jimmy Carter presidency, Christians sort of shifted from voting for who they thought was Christians to voting for who would best protect their ideas and what they value, kind of like right. what you were talking about. And one of the most interesting things to me uh, is my dad's a part-time pastor at a church, and they have this political statement. And there's, It's basically, um, we're not Republicans or Democrats, we're not liberals or conservatives, because no one part of your platform can accurately represent the gospel in its entirety. I'm like, that's dead on. That's exactly what
1: mm-hmm. I believe. Um, so, Nate, I, Nate is saying your upload speed might be the problem.
0: I think Nate is right, actually, because now that I look at it, it's like 41, and then my upload's like 5. So, oh, this stinks. Um, I gotta
1: live
0: in the city, man, and get that good internet. Oh, <laughs> I got nothing you want to go out and come back in?
1: You want to see if that would help? You want to try to go out and come Wait, back in? To the, to the... Yeah, I'll try that. I'll be right yeah. back.